1: Welcome in, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, alongside Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. Chad Withrow back with us next week. Lance Lee, Jakob Swanson. We have Sarah Triplett, David Reed is the chairman of the board, Becca Risley and Sleepy Dandy down the hall as we broadcast live Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee. Blackbird Studios and the BlackbirdAcademy.com is where we are live each and every day. Here across the Outkick Network, we hope that if you're watching on YouTube, you'll hit the subscribe button, you'll hit the like button, give us the thumbs up, and that you will ring that bell so you're alerted every time we go live each and every day for the show. Paul and I did not plan to match today, but we do celebrate Easter on July Sorry, the first. pointed out. A couple of days before we celebrate our country's birth. Paul, good morning.
0: Fourth of July is coming, but uh, we're looking for jelly beans today and (laughs) they've not been provided. Reese's Reese's. eggs. Reese's (laughs) eggs, but nobody is bringing us the Easter food that we crave. Good day.
1: What a day for college sports. July 1st, 2021 is what we're going to remember because of name image likeness and the transition from old to new. Uh, The new day, the new dawn for college sports is here where players, athletes across the board can profit on their name, image, and likeness. Something that the lapdog media from years ago would say would never happen and that the NCAA was made of amateurs and that's how it should stay. How quickly those same people are now turning their opinion around based on today's announcement. And we knew this was coming, Paul. Um, all except for the NCAA based on how they've set things up because for all of the regulations, all the rules for college sports and college athletes and what teams and and, and universities must adhere by. No regulations really for this. They, they have a waiver that's intended to hold things, be a bridge until there's either a federal legislation that will cover NIL across the board, across the country, state to state, or they have passed a more permanent NIL rule. But right now, it's pretty much up to the university to go by whatever state guidelines are in place. And that means it's open season. They are open for business. McKenzie Milton, uh, De'Eric King, they have teamed up in Florida, the quarterbacks at Florida State, and the quarterback at Miami, they have teamed up, they have formed Dreamfield, which is an agency for NIL, current players, putting their names with an agency for name image likeness where a player or an athlete of any sport in Tennessee, in Indiana, in Montana, they can call up Dream, Dreamfield and they'll take 15% off the top of all profits, but they'll set you up for an autograph signing, they'll set you up for an endorsement, and you have an agency working for you that's been in the works for over 12 months, at least by two quarterbacks in the same conference. This is where we're headed and it's going to be huge because I think companies now that can't afford an NFL player might be able to afford a college sports athlete. And I think the, the different paths you can take is endless with this.
0: It's, it's a very interesting day, and I'm interested to see how the whole thing pans out. But I I, uh, I also wonder if, to a degree, we're, our expectations for it are over the top. I do think, you know, obviously for the big quarterbacks, the Heisman Trophy candidates, program-defining players, is going to be big. Um, for... Uh, more middling players at big programs, certainly it's going to be big because it's going to be a way that boosters find ways to uh, benefit and lure people or serve people that they've lured to the program. Um, But I've already seen a lot out there about, hey, now go out there, kids, and create your personal brand. And I think for, you know, the a kid who's not scoring touchdowns, creating your personal brand is a little bit overrated. If you're not, your personal brand has to start with being a good football player and, and playing good football. I think and outside of these people who want to help you, right? There are going to be a certain population at certain universities who want to help you. They're going to come find you. But in terms of your going, finding them, this create your own brand thing. You'll remember we did uh, like a seminar with, with college kids who wanted to be journalists. And some of the people on the panel were telling kids, go go create your personal brand. And I was saying, nobody gives a shit about your personal brand until you have something to offer, right? If, if you're a kid with an opinion on the Yankees, nobody cares about your opinion on the Yankees until you've done something.
1: Well, that's why you have to build it. Right. that's what Olivia Dunn, a gymnast at LSU, has done. She has 1.1 million Instagram followers, 3.9 million TikTok followers. You think she's going to profit off of her NIL?
0: Absolutely. How did she get those followers?
1: She built her own personal brand. With what? With her own name, image, and likeness. She yeah, built it, her it, own it, personal it, brand on social it, media, right? But and you're she not, didn't follow your advice.
0: But you, yeah, but you're not giving me the information I'm looking for. I bet there's some good gymnastics involved in it.
1: I would say there's great Instagram and TikTok posts involved in it.
0: I'm sure there are. But the reason that she got a foothold, I'm guessing, is because she was good at gymnastics. Um, and now, and I'm I know there are TikTok and and whatever people who who are good at TikTok. And who get famous by being good at TikTok. But if you're an athlete, an NCAA athlete, you're going to have to dedicate a lot of time to sports and getting good at your sport. And your foothold for most people is going to be being good at your sport and being good at TikTok and all of that
1: stuff. I, w- I would say. Be good at
0: your sport is my advice to you. First and foremost, be good at your sport.
1: You'll have to be good at your sport, but you can also be good at publicizing your name, image, and likeness in your personal brand, which Olivia has done. If you look at her accounts, you have no idea she's a gymnast. Let's put it that way. And now at LSU, she will be making money off of her NIL. Uh, instead of LSU promoting the fact that they have an athlete that has 3.4 million TikTok followers.
0: Oh, and she should absolutely be making money off of that. But I think the marketplace now flooded with people who think they're going to be uh, TikTok stars uh, who need a hook. All of these people need a hook. And to me, if you're an athlete, your hook should be being a good athlete. Um Otherwise, you're just like everybody else who can make money off well, your name, I image, and likeness. Uh, a random evens, person.
1: This evens the playing field, though, because the NCAA has been making billions off of the athlete who is a good athlete. And now that good athlete can go and profit off of that. And if they're just an average player, but they have a big presence on social media, they can still go profit off of that. I'm all for this, and I've been for this for well, years.
0: I'm all for it, too. I think saying, though, that we've seen a it like five years ago that everybody was poo-pooing it, I don't know that five years ago... Oh, they
1: absolutely were. The old, oh, the old school... They the old. Oh, five school. years
0: ago, did you see this coming?
1: Five years ago, I was arguing that Reggie Bush should not have turned in his Heisman Trophy.
0: Right. But did you see the NCAA folding up to this degree, losing in the Supreme Court, all of this stuff? There's a lot of stodgy politics still involved in this, against this. So I think it's good... But I can't say I saw it coming because I think there are a lot of political forces aligned with the NCAA who wanted, like the NCAA, this fraudulent amateurism to remain in place for as long as possible, just like the bowl system to remain in place for as long as possible. I'm glad the gates have broken open. There are a lot of people. But I didn't expect
1: it. There are a lot of people, if you didn't see this coming, you were buying into a hope and a dream and buying into the pipe dream that was the fact that don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask about what's going on behind the scenes, both at the top level of the NCAA or the college basketball tournament or the college football playoff. I mean, there are people that thought we would never see a college football playoff. And now we're talking about expanding, not to eight, not doubling, expanding to 12, to 14, to 16, because there's so much money to be made off of this. And everyone was getting a piece of the pie, except for the players. Wink, wink. They were getting paid too. And now they're getting paid on the up and up. That's how I view this. They're getting paid underneath the table. We've seen death penalties come down. The old joke that uh, the NCAA is so mad at, at LSU that they're going to punish University of Louisiana Lafayette, right? That's no more because we're, it's, it's open season. And it's, it's, it's a landscape changing moment today that I think five years from now, we look back on and say, this was when things turned. This was when Mark Emmert stopped waving the flag that says amateurism lives on. Uh, and it, it's the new version of the sports amateur.
0: It's a flood, though, and I'm anxious to see like how deep the pool is and how it finds its depth. Um, it's going to be an interesting time. I'm curious how long it takes for the pool to find the depth and for maybe a company to say, Oh, yeah. we overshot on how many people were interested in or for kids to say, Ooh, I, you know, a certain level kid to say, Oh, I thought I was going to do a lot better. Or for a kid to say, wow, I had no idea I could do this. Well, I'm very curious to find what the in the, what the depth is.
1: In the age of social media, I think people are going to undervalue instead of overvalue what that means. I mean, last night at 1130 Central Time, people are tweeting out from different companies, if you want to make a quick hundred bucks and you're a college athlete, DM me for a tweet. There's, there's endless possibilities with this. And it goes beyond just car dealerships and autographs. Right, but
0: I'm very curious to see what that tweet is and who it's from.
1: We're, I think we'll see, uh, we could potentially see players wearing a, uh, wearing more of a name-brand apparel uh, logo um, outside of school functions instead of wearing the school-issued gear. Uh, I could see that happening. Well, that's also
0: development, like, it, like we see pros do wearing in and out of the arena.
1: Yeah, I, I, I also think too, what university? Because again, this is this is going to be regulated by the individual universities. So consider that we'll just use Tennessee as an example. And I don't even know, and I'll ask Brent Hubs this tomorrow if they're a Pepsi or a Coke product school. But if the opposite wants to sponsor the star quarterback, can they do that? Can you can you have the star quarterback go opposite of whatever is on the table?
0: This makes me think Ronaldo at a press conference. In Europe, after a Portugal game, there were two Coke bottles sitting at his thing. He sat down, took the two Coke bottles, put them off screen. Obviously not a Coke guy. I don't know if he's a Pepsi guy or what he is, but he's not a Coke guy. He's not giving away free exposure with him, with Coke bottles sitting in front of him, where he's not a beneficiary of that. But the European Championships, UEFA, whatever governing bodies, etc., are poor portugal maybe are benefiting from that but he personally or not we're going to see a lot more things like that and who's going to stop a kid a pro athlete whoever from removing those bottles at that time unless they nail those down there's the first idea the coke bottles are now going to be uh on cement blocks again Where, that can't be easily moved
1: i i see this as a much bigger deal than what I think people are even imagining because of what universities and what contracts are in place versus what players could potentially bring to the table and how those things intertwine and the recruiting aspect of that oh you're an adidas school uh, think of the aau contracts you're in adidas school you have a leg up on the team that sponsors the aau team and the player you're recruiting that that this goes a layer or two deeper than just oh how many how many Twitter followers do you have? And the Nike kid is not even and, talking to you. And the NCAA has told the high school athlete now they can they can go ahead and set this up. Uh, there's nothing to regulate that end of it either. Prospective student athletes still in high school may also engage in the same types of NIL opportunities without impacting their NCAA eligibility. And there's That's huge.
0: already been cases where the top AAU kid is maybe limiting his uh, recruitment list based on he's a Nike kid and he's not looking at an Adidas school. So that grows now because the high school kid can be solicited in a way that maybe previously he was wary of.
1: Coming up, we discuss NFL headlines with John McClain, the big three quarterbacks going into year four, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. It sounds as though all of those teams would like to get a deal done before year four is up instead of waiting on year five in those contract negotiations. We'll get McLean's thoughts on that. Plus, some breaking news in the NHL where Victor Arvidsson of the Nashville Predators has been traded to the LA Kings. We will hit that during the Tennessee Power Hour. That and much more straight ahead on Outkick 360. First, though, look, erectile dysfunction affects over half of all men. It doesn't have to make you feel like half of a man. MyDoctorHank.com slash outkick here for you. Since twenty seventeen, my Dr. Hank has been making America hard again. My Dr. Hank helps you get low cost ED meds, overcome the psychological and emotional barriers to getting ED treatment. They secure your prescription. They then ship it to you discreetly every month from USA pharmacies for as low as two dollars per pill. Paul, it's a great offer.
0: 50% off your first subscription order if you go to mydoctorhank.com/outkick to sign up for the first go round. 50% off. We're giving you some great discounts here at Outkick360.
1: 50% off mydoctorhank.com/outkick Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us today. And as always, we hope that you'll subscribe on the YouTube channel where you can sign up and uh, you're automatically signed up if you subscribe to the Sony and Hertz Odyssey Prize Pack. We'll tell you more about that coming up. We'll also take more of your phone calls at 855-208-8806. Right now, though, we turn our attention to the NFL. NFL headlines with John McClain, who has covered the NFL for more than 4 decades he joins us from Houston where you can read his work at texassportsnation.com. John, hope you're doing well.
2: John and Paul, I'm doing great. Hope you guys are too and I hope all your viewers and listeners have a great board.
1: Absolutely same same to you. Uh, I had a great weekend this past weekend. I sent you a video of this. Uh, for those that don't know, John is a he's been in several films um one of those was spring breakers how long ago was this john this is like seven or eight years ago now probably
2: yeah it was something like that i'm still getting residuals i think uh (laughs) from that and uh, it's on cable like multiple times a day yeah done by harmony corinne from there in nashville and his wife rachel was one of the stars it was a lot of fun and i get a kick out of watching it Um, i close my eyes when i'm on because i think i'm terrible but I got them wide open for the rest
1: of that. Oh, hey. I turned, I turned on Spring Breakers at the right time because John John plays a judge in the movie. And uh, there are girls in bikinis in the courtroom. And I turned on HBO or Showtime or whatever this was on, Cinemax, Skinemax, I don't, I'm not sure, John. Uh, I, I turned it on at the right time, right as John McClain was having his speaking role, talk, talking and addressing the courtroom. And so I pause it, I video it, send it to John late Friday night. He responds Saturday morning with, uh, I really enjoyed filming that scene. <laughs> and I would...
2: It took us would nine too. hours, nine hours to film that scene. And the first take <laughs> I had, Harmony Corinne, the director, the director says, but Judge, you can't sentence them unless you look at them. And I'm thinking, man, I feel like a dirty old man. We're talking about Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hutchins and... Ashley Benson and his wife Rachel. But I did. And uh, most of the nine hours was taken up for all the shots and the lighting they needed to do for James Franco, who was introduced in the movie In the Courtroom. And uh, but it was so much fun. I had a blast. People ask me about that movie all the time because it's on so much. And they say, What have you done since then? I said, Well, I should have fired my agent because I haven't done anything. Problem is, my agent is me.
1: <laughs> you can follow John and his agent on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, I'd like to start, speaking of agents, Lamar Jackson doesn't have one. His mother, I believe, is representing him in co- contract negotiations with the Baltimore Ravens, who we know have, have been true negotiators in the past. Uh, he is one of three quarterbacks going into year four and on teams that apparently want to get a deal done before the end of year four. And I I don't know how realistic that is for all three. Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. But in Lamar Jackson's case, it sounds as though Baltimore would like to get a deal done prior to the start of the season. Do you see one happening? And if so, why now? Why not wait a year?
2: If indeed his mother is negotiating that contract, I don't blame the Ravens for wanting to get it done. Uh, I would hope... Uh, that she is listening carefully to the NFL Players Association where they have experts who will help with any question. They can't do the negotiation themselves, but they can certainly help with it. And obviously someone who's not done a contract like that is going to need a lot of help, and he deserves to be very highly paid. He's not going to make more money total than Patrick Mahomes, but he can move right up there. I think Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson need to be the next two done, and then Baker Mayfield. All three of those guys, of course, were in the playoffs last year. All three like to think they're Super Bowl contenders this year. The quicker you get those contracts done, the less it costs you. Texans redid John Watson with two years left, and they did it at a time. People are like, man, that's the second most money in history. And now it might not be in the top five a year
0: later. Patrick Mahomes, uh, that deal's ten years. What four um, thirty? A real out-
2: something like that.
0: Yeah, a real outlier. Really. Um, how much does that inform these deals, or how much is that kind of regarded as an outlier when you're talking about guys who clearly are not as good as Patrick Mahomes?
2: Well, first of all, that's just a big number that uh, Patrick Mahomes liked, his agent Lee Steinberg liked, that that contract will be redone so many times before it's actually up. And uh, uh, I just, at the time, I didn't think very much about it, unprecedented in the number and the length as well. But uh, there's no way they're going to hold him to that. He'll be, I'm guessing he'll have it redone in a couple of years if he continues to play the way he has.
1: John, the contract is not Patrick Mahomes that these players will be looking at. It is Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott holds the current record in NFL history for most money at guaranteed at signing at $95 million for signing his name on a contract. That is the money that these players will be looking at, right?
2: Absolutely. They want money that's guaranteed against skill and injury, and they also want what's in the first three years, beyond the first three years, just paper money but it's how much is he going to make in the first three years what's the average how much of that signing bonus does it get up front does he get all of it is it spaced out over two or three years there's a lot of ways to do those contracts but most agents the good agents it's a payout over the first three years that they can point to with most pride
1: well, and, and that's the example for why the, the the teams would like to get a deal done now instead of two or three years from now. Dak Prescott, I'm talking about, because of the way that he ended up getting paid in the end after the franchise tag was applied to him. He gets a four-year, $160 million contract. Um, on the other side of things, we see Jared Goff, who signed after year three. He's now been traded. Uh, there are other examples of discussions that were at least had locally, I can speak to this. We were discussing Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. Now, they didn't get contract extensions after year three, but it was discussed what that might be like. And had the Titans decided to do that after year three for Marcus, he actually had his best season in Nashville after year three. We know know what happened there. Where do you come down on the decision that teams have to make on knowing that they have a fifth-year option but choosing not to even get close to that fifth year with their quarterback contracts?
2: If the Titans thought Marcus Mariota was the long-term answer, they would have redone him. Obviously, they didn't. Same thing with Tampa Bay. If you believe that your quarterback is your franchise guy for the next decade, you need to sign him as soon as you can because ultimately it'll cost you a lot less money. The longer you wait, the more it's going to cost you. And if you decide after the fourth year, he's not the guy that's egg on your face because you screwed up by drafting him or he got poor coaching or a system that didn't fit him. A lot of times these quarterbacks who are highly rated coming out of college, if they don't make it, it's not their fault. It's the team's fault because of who they put around him, the system they put him in, instability on the coaching staff.
0: One of those guys who got the long-term deal, Hutt mentioned Goff, Carson Wentz got that long-term deal, ultimately didn't pan out in Philadelphia. He's in a new place, in Indianapolis, a lot less scrutiny. His marriage with the remarriage with Frank Reich, um, how do you expect it to go? How quickly do you expect it to take off? And where where does it put the Colts now after a year with Philip Rivers uh, in the pecking order in the division and in the AFC in your in your early thinking?
2: Four quarterbacks in four years—that kind of instability is not good. I did a Philadelphia show this morning, and they asked me the same question about what I thought about Wentz going to Indianapolis and how that affected the AFC South. I said, guys, you know better than anybody. If Wentz was a great quarterback, he'd still be in Philadelphia. He wouldn't be in Indianapolis. Now, whether those are physical or mental, based on everything I've seen and heard, a lot of his problems up there were mental. Uh, Some of the teammates didn't like him. Uh, Then he got mad because they drafted Jalen Hurts, and he wasn't the same. And you can't have a quarterback who worries about things like that. Now, Frank Reich should know him very well, and I like to think that maybe if he had not gotten hurt, he would have been an MVP, and it uh, would, have, would have been him instead of Nick Foles to win the Super Bowl and get an MVP, and he'd still be up there. But based on what's happened, the Eagles made a huge mistake giving him that contract. They should have known at that point what they had, and they didn't do a good job. I picked the Titans last year. I picked the Titans this year before they got Julio Jones, and I'll continue to pick the Titans. I think it'll, both of them will be in the playoffs again. Indianapolis has the better defense Titans have the better running game Titans have the better passing game Ryan Tannehill has been Great with the Titans and I'm sure Indianapolis is saying hey look at Ryan Tannehill look at him After he left Miami for Tennessee And that's the same thing's going to happen To Carson Wentz and if it does It'll make the division so much Better I believe strongly It'll be Tennessee Indy Jacksonville With the Texans cleaning up The rear why do you think there's so much affection for the Colts nationally? They've won one playoff game since Frank Reich and Chris Ballard got there. But I was listening the other day on ESPN with former players talking about what a great coach Frank Reich is. And I think a lot of his people respect Frank for what he did in college, for what he did in the NFL when he pulled off two of the greatest comebacks in history. He was highly regarded at San Diego with Philadelphia, and he became a head coach, and everybody likes it. You know, if you like a guy, you're going to bend over backward to do what you can to make him look good. And same thing with Chris Ballard. I think they have done a good job. You can't say great for either one of them when they've won one playoff game. Maybe that changes this season, and they win the division, and they go to the Super Bowl, and then you can say they're great. But to me, I'm going with the Titans who won more playoff games two years ago than the Colts have won since Frank Wright got there.
1: John McClain with us. He's with the Houston Chronicle. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, speaking of Philly, Zach Ertz uh, is on the, the trade market. That's been no secret this offseason. The Bills continue to be mentioned as a potential landing spot. They have Dawson Knox. They have also added uh, Jacob Hollister to that group. Why do they need Zach Ertz?
2: I think that they think they can get him cheap, not financially, but what it would require. They need to worry about their running game. You know, they can't have Josh Allen at this stage of his career continuing to run as much as he does and take as many hits as he takes because at some point that punishment is going to get to him and it's going to cause him a problem. But if Ertz Ertz could still play the way he used to, I think the Eagles would not be interested in trading one of the most popular players in franchise history who helped them win a Super Bowl at this stage. I don't know what he's got left. I heard somebody this morning on NFL radio talking about, man, Kyle, Kyle Rudolph. Where did Kyle Rudolph go? I don't even remember. Where, wherever he went, what a great thing is going to be for that team, and I think it was going to be great. Why did Minnesota let him go?
1: I'll do a quick search on that because I don't recall off the top of my head either. He's with the Giants. Oh, he's in New York. How about that? He's had some football. Had no I'm idea.
2: sure he's going to make a big difference in the in New York.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Anything you can get to help Daniel Jones, I guess.
1: John, where do you have the bills in your AFC pecking order right now?
0: Right
2: now, of course, I have Kansas City as the number one team. And uh, I think the AFC is stronger than the NFC. I think the AFC North is really good. I think the AFC West is the best division in football, I think the AFC East is two teams, Buffalo and Miami, and of course, the AFC South. And I'd like – I think Cleveland, I want to believe in the Browns. I want to believe in the Ravens. Other than the Chiefs, it's wide open. Hmm. I would say based on what the Bills have done in the last two years, which is get – improving the play in each of the last three years, I'd say they're the second-best team. As within Baltimore, Tennessee – Uh, Both of those teams, I think, and I'm sorry, I said the AFC West. It's the NFC West that I think is the best division in football. AFC West, not very good after Kansas City. But I think Buffalo would be two, and I said Tennessee and Baltimore would be right there with Cleveland. And a team that I think will be good that other people don't seem to think so is Pittsburgh, because I think Najee Harris is going to give them a running game. I think he's my pick for offensive rookie of the year. They were last in rushing. That's not gonna last long. It depends on all the changes they made in the offensive line. I don't believe in anything in the AFC South beyond the Titans, the Colts. Don't believe in anything in the AFC West after the Chiefs and the East. You got Buffalo, maybe the Dolphins if Tagovailoa becomes the quarterback they thought he could be. And then there's the three teams from the AFC North, and it's gonna be fascinating watching them jockey for position to see who is going to be the most compelling competitor for the Chiefs.
1: John, uh, I'm just thinking of this. Otherwise, I would have given you a heads up on this question. And Paul, put your thinking cap and your memory cap on for this as well. Tom Brady admitted, to no no one's surprise, that he's not honest in press conferences. He says 90% of what he says is BS and not really what he's thinking. Again, that's no surprise. That's the majority of players and coaches nowadays. Over your years, and go back as far as you want with this, John, who have been the most honest players that you've talked with on a weekly basis, on an annual basis, whatever it might be, who did you feel like you could sit down with and they would always shoot you straight on the record?
2: Back in the old days, and I'm talking about when I started covering NFL in the late 70s and then in the 80s, players were more likely to speak out. Word didn't spread as fast. If you heard a player say something in, say, Cincinnati before they played the Oilers that was controversial, there's no social media to get it here. And you would have to have a reporter up there call you and say, hey, here's what Ross Browner, defensive end of the Bengals, said about the Oilers. Or so this is what Bruce Cosle, the offensive coordinator, said about the Oilers or Sam Weiss. And so they would tell you and give you the quotes, and then you'd go to that people and the people. And you would ask them, when Jerry Glan when when Bum Phillips was the Oilers coach, those guys were pretty honest. Not about injuries, but about other players. Dan Pastorini, the quarterback, was great. When they got into the Jerry Glanville era, and Jerry Glanville was so outspoken, the players were emboldened when it came to responding. And they were much more likely to say what they felt. And they didn't care what the fallout was because they had to go back it up on the field. And then, as they got in the 90s, and then when the internet came out, you know, they started saying assistant coaches couldn't talk to the media, media can't watch practice, and constantly, constantly reminding the players don't give them your number, telephone numbers, be careful what you tell them. And as time went on, usually if somebody said something, then he would create a controversy. And he'd come back and he'd go, "Oh, I didn't mean it," or "That's I was taken out of context." Kenny Stabler, when he was here, the Hall of Fame quarterback for two years, he is a great guy to interview because he would say what he thought. And uh, and but mainly the days the players you don't see much, and if you do, it's because they said something controversial on social media.
0: I was on the tail end of this era that he's talking about, where there might be stuff from team to team. I was more about the personal accountability that you don't really see that much anymore. And I distinctly remember, and John covered these guys, uh, the secondary, when I first started covering the Titans, that included uh, uh, Blaine Bishop, Steve Jackson, Marcus Robertson, Samari Roll, uh, Blaine, who's terrible in the media. Uh, was really good with the media Was really good with me he'd walk by me in the locker room sometimes and say keep writing that stuff when I was harping on on somebody not getting the job done or Steve Jackson would overhear me kind of uh, pinning something on somebody in a post-game locker room and interrupt And call me over to take the blame for something because he couldn't bear the idea of somebody taking the blame for something that maybe wasn't obvious in terms of whose responsibility it was for a play. So I loved those guys and the the way they would take personal account or just say that the team sucked when it sucked. Samari Roll just very candidly like, uh, you know, today we – We didn't have it. We sucked today. But also on a more personal level, why check back at that stage? And and guys that you know well, Delaney Walker, Logan Ryan, would give you an honest answer to an honest question and not automatically think that you had some ulterior motive or were trying to make them look bad. To me, the key thing now is a guy being confident enough in his play and in his status with the team that he knows no matter what I say, they might give me some crap but I'm not putting my career in jeopardy well, by, most of the by time, being candid.
1: Every quarterback not every quarterback. The majority of quarterbacks in the league have that ability but and don't, they don't do it. it.
0: Don't use it. Well, it's different with quarterbacks. But with a with a with a guy with a different personality yeah. on a team who feels that freedom to speak on a day like when when Mike Malarkey was saluting the Titans, beating the Browns very narrowly in a terribly played game in Cleveland, and everybody saying, a win's a win, hooray. Delaney Walker saying, that was crap. That's terrible. We can't be happy about that.
1: What do you think, John?
0: The player that,
2: that I've covered that I've thought was great when they would lose they wouldn't hold back on anything was J.J. Watt. And uh, when he was, Most of the time when he was here, they were good. Last year, they were not. And he, would, he wouldn't single out players. You should never single out no. individual players. No. But, boy, you can single out your play, your side of the ball, or the team. And he went off several times last year about effort and and being on time and things like that. And he didn't get specific, but uh, he just blasted the team. And then he told us at the end of the year he didn't want to be part of a rebuild here. And that's why he asked to get his release from the McNairs, and they let him go. Thirty-one years old, he wanted to go where he wanted to go. Didn't want to be part of a team that's going to be bad for a while. And always appreciated his candor.
1: And you know, it, it, and Brady was being honest with his with his answer on that, where he's, he told LeBron and the, the the shop that that crew, hey, on HBO, I'm I'm ninety percent of the time I'm thinking one thing and I'm saying something else publicly. But, John, isn't that extra 10% that all of the media craves? I mean, that, that 10% honesty, true honesty in the moment, like he did in this in this interview and like he's done this offseason in some cases, that's what we're after.
2: Yeah, you'd love to see that on a more consistent basis, but most no smart player is going to do it, especially a quarterback who relies on so many players to make him look good. I've always thought the quarterback is the leader, the highest paid player. He should take the blame for every interception even if the guy ran the wrong route or the ball went through his hands receivers will appreciate that coaches who take the blame and say that losses on me fans get tired of that and so does the media but the players don't they like it when they're the ones that absorb the blame to take the heat off of them and and there's been a lot of players throughout my career who've been really good about saying when they're terrible the best quote I've ever seen in uh, in my 45 years of covering the NFL was after the Oilers blew the Buffalo playoff game in 93 and lost 41-38 in overtime after leading 35-3 midway through the third quarter. Their cornerback, Chris Dishman, said after the game, we choked. We choked from the top of the organization to the bottom. We choked from the owner downs to the groundskeeper. And he just went on and on, the big headline, in a Chronicle said, we choked with a quote mark around it. And that's why here that game is always known as the choke, the biggest one in NFL history. And other players were great about saying, man, we were terrible. But man, would you say a team chokes, Players do not like to hear it. Coaches don't like to hear it. But the fact is, they choked, just like the Texans mm-hmm. choked a 24 0 lead at Kansas City in 2019 in the divisional round.
0: It kept them from hosting the Titans. In the AFC Championship game, John, things look to be better for the Cowboys. Uh, healthy Dak Prescott uh, is the is the linchpin of that. I, I've assumed uh, thinking with the Cowboys that I have with a lot of things that don't pan out for a long time. I believe the Cowboys are a NFC title contender. After I see them be a legitimate NFC title contender, it's been that long. I don't want to get ahead on the bandwagon and be one of these reporters who repeatedly picks them to reemerge and watches them fall flat on their face. What's your thinking in the NFC that uh, that seems to be pretty wide open after Tampa Bay? Paul, I
2: picked them to win the NFC East for a second year in a row last year. They lost it because Dak Prescott missed 11 games. When Prescott was playing, they were averaging 32 points a game. They're going to score points. They got Ezekiel Elliott. They got good receivers, good offensive line. If it can stay relatively healthy, what we don't know about the Cowboys is their defense. It's just like before anybody says they're a consum- Super Bowl contender, they want to see that defense. Same as the Titans. People want to see a better, more consistent defense. But I think the Cowboys will win a division. I don't think Washington with Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and Taylor Haneke and uh, uh, Kyle Allen have the quarterbacks to, to, go to be a Super Bowl contender. And I know it's not going to be the Giants or the Eagles, so I think the Cowboys are going to run away with that division.
1: John, Jerry Jones knows how to make good investments. We've seen that with the team that he purchased and the Dallas Cowboys and what it's turned into. Why does he want to invest in the NFL Combine? Why does he want the Combine in Dallas so badly? And would you put Dallas at the top of your list for destinations when this thing goes to bid in 2023 over Vegas and over L.A.?
2: Well, L.A. and Dallas are the ones that, of course, Vegas does. but They don't, they're, we're talk, they don't have what they need. The Cowboys facility, the Star, uh, which is a billion, costs more than the stadium. And I've been there in Frisco uh, three times. And it is perfect for what the NFL would need. At the Combine, the only time you have to get in a car is when they take players to the hospital to get physicals. In Frisco, they've got a hospital right there in the complex. they got a big Omni Hotel right there in the complex. They have outdoor fields. They have an indoor stadium that would be perfect at that time of year because they can have ice storms. What they don't have is an opportunity for everybody to walk everywhere from their hotel to the facility like in Indy. Then at night, everybody can walk to all their restaurants and bars afterward. And if it gets too cold or snows, they can use all the crossways on all the streets. Plus it's centrally located. I've been to every combine since it went to Indy. I think a humor is eighty five or eighty seven. And LA does it's got a lot in that new complex, but it doesn't have all that. And of course you'd have to rent everybody'd have to rent cars in LA, they'd have to rent cars in Dallas, and they'd have to rent cars in Vegas. So Jerry has been after it the longest he wants it for two reasons. Number one, uh, to stroke his ego because Jerry loves things like that. He'd get a lot of attention. But number two, he'd find a way to make some money out of it. And we all know Jerry Jones loves making money. And it would be great publicity for Frisco. It would be great publicity for the Cowboys. And, of course, people up there would love to say, man, Jerry got the combine away from Indianapolis.
1: I'd love to know what... Indy has made off of the combine on average on an annual basis. Like w- What it's meant to the city and the publicity, not necessarily tourism, but the media, they, they go there each year. All the coaches and teams end up in hotel rooms there. The league descends upon Indy. I wonder what that's worth value-wise annually.
2: Well, it's enough of an economic impact for them to come back and bid to keep it they get a lot of events there because they do such a fantastic job with those events and it's just a destination place when you've got a big one like it's a tournament or a championship or in this case one of the nfl's uh biggest events and i think indy will do everything it can for to put it up for bid you know sounds sounds terrible but that's what the nfl is all about they're gonna sell stakes and uh nfl network and NFL radio, but they'll keep the power. And and I think this, uh, if they leave Indy, there will be a lot of people who will regret it, but it's only all those people who like to be able to walk everywhere. And the NFL doesn't give a rat, you know what, about people being able to walk instead of rent cars. And uh, it would be a huge economic impact for where it is because you think about this, everybody in the NFL is there from every team and so many from the league office and so many media and uh, those hotel rooms man if they didn't have if they didn't have the combine there for a week a lot of restaurants a lot of hotels
0: a lot of bars would lose a lot of money indianapolis business journal reported in 2019 that local hospitality officials estimated the city of indianapolis generated 8.4 8.4 million and provided close to 10 million in media revenue from the combine. Not monstrous numbers. And I will say as big an event as it is, we've all been there a lot, John the most. There's still room for a cheerleader convention in in uh, Indianapolis in the midst of that NFL combine every year, right? We see yeah. it we see it in the hallways of the convention center. Yeah. John, John must point
2: out that that's a cheerleader convention
0: for little kids, not not uh, like college and, not, and NFL. Not like the ones that you were looking at in the movie. Uh, exactly.
1: Yeah, and now the NCAA, uh, you can, we, John can sponsor them for NIL, which goes into effect today. John, thank you as always. Happy 4th to you. Enjoy the long weekend. We will catch up soon.
2: That sounds great, guys. Thank you very much for having me as always,
0: and I hope you have a great 4th too. Thanks. Thank you, John. Those numbers surprise me. They're, me too. They're low. And uh, I, I and if you're bidding to That's get That's what I'm it, saying. Like,
1: and uh, if you're, yeah. So what's it worth to India continue to bid up against Jerry Jones, who's going to outbid whoever steps to the plate? I mean, Jerry
0: Jones would bid more than $20 million, <laughs> which is so. more than those two numbers added together.
1: There's a report, we'll get to this coming up, about what teams are worth right now versus what they're going to be worth by 2030. And... To me, if you're investing in the combine coming to your city and and all of these different things, if you're investing in NFL Network, uh, let's discuss the value of teams. Uh, The the sports betting and gambling that's going to be taking place, that will be at the combine too. I'm
0: kind of naive to how the gambling affects your bottom line. I mean, is it as simple as people are betting a ton at FanDuel, FanDuel is advertising... Through the league and it all circles back? Is it that simple we'll, as to how it adds value to your franchise and to your league?
1: We'll discuss on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us today. What is sports gambling worth to the NFL? Uh, in reading Bleacher Report this morning, the headline reads this, NFL owners reportedly believe teams will eventually be worth 8 to $10 billion with gambling coming into effect across the league. Uh, and this is through Pro Football Talk as well. Pro Football Talk is the one that mentions the $10 billion mark. Uh, the New England Patriots, for instance, according to Forbes, they are worth an estimated $4.4 billion. This is before You introduce the gambling aspect, the gaming aspect of everything. Uh, Paul, this is percentage, to me this is a percentage of uh, the the contracts involved here uh, spread across the league uh, from an NFL standpoint, but also individually stadium to stadium and what that means in your stadium. Not just for, uh, you mentioned Dallas, not just for Cowboys games, but imagine what you can do for any event in there. Combine, rodeo. Literally anything you want to bet on. Concerts. You, you go up to a, a booth and you can still bet on your sports. What?
0: See the booth thing, I don't understand anymore because we've become very adept at betting on our phone. I got no interest in getting a line and waiting at a at a, at a window. Yeah, but
1: but, but because
0: I, I what I need is superior oh, internet I, at those stadiums you're not to allow me it. to use FanDuel on my thing. Well, that's what you need to do. I'm not going to wait in line. I'd, I'd s- just assume stay home and bet on my phone. Now, if you tell me I can go to the game and I'm going to have zero problem betting on my phone, that's the thing. That's the next level to me at all these stadiums. I know Nissan Stadium, they've worked on improving it, and it's gone from very bad to okay. But I need a, at a venue like Nissan Stadium with 68000 for it to be at a level where everybody could be on their phone at the same time checking their fantasy teams and their bets, right? And if you give me that, that enhances the experience, and I can check on our, our parlay from Jacob as often as I want, on, uh, not from the press box internet, right, but on the stadium internet. Get me to that level, and I don't need a window. I don't want a window because I'm turning my back would, on a bunch of stuff at the window.
1: I would love a window at Bridgestone Arena where I tried to make a bet at FanDuel.com and could not do it while sitting at a Nashville Predators playoff game last month.
0: But isn't it better to solve the internet problem and not create windows? Just solve the internet problem. Not if give you can make me more
1: profit. Give
0: well. Give me the best internet possible there instead of renovating the place to create windows that will be at some point well, made moot when you solve the internet.
1: Problem. But it's more than just the window. It is the overriding contract where the NFL has partnerships with DraftKings, with FanDuel, uh, and and with other spots right. as well. Uh, to, they're going to get money from everyone, and these these massive companies. Are spending money before they're making money. They're willing to take a loss. FanDuel
0: would come in and do the internet for you. I want to facilitate every way possible. You sitting in your seat, continuing to make bets. What's happening on this next series? You know, to whatever micro bets you can get down to, uh, they they want you on the internet as easily as possible. They don't want you thinking, "Oh, I got to get up and go miss this play that I want to bet on by going to the window."
1: Caesar's Entertainment is the other with, with the contract with the league but this is this coincides with the 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 hundred billion dollar television contract as well that's spread across the league and that's shared so uh, this is by 2030 they are estimated to be worth an estimated 10 billion if you're over four right now that's how much we're seeing a rise in overall sports team value
0: this is there's a second reason that to me streaming uh, internet quality is the maybe the biggest issue on this that that we just discussed and amazon which we've discussed this thursday night package as the forefront of streaming games and we've talked about how willing they are they talk about al michaels they've talked about peyton manning they're clearly willing to spend to be a premier property yes but what was the issue when a couple games were on amazon last year People were saying, I'm reading tweets about this game that are ahead of the game. So I'm watching the game on my TV on Amazon, and it's behind the real-time tweets I'm getting about the game. People are not going to be happy with that. Amazon obviously has the money. They've got to get the tech caught up that... A live stream is the same quality as a live telecast on CBS, NBC, ESPN. It's beyond that. It's beyond the stream now.
1: I'm watching T V last night. I'm watching the NBA game. And the final minute and a half, you could take you could, you could take the Suns plus 21 and a half. Well, the problem was FanDuel, and they were up to the minute on this. The They're second, never
0: going to be behind.
1: The score was 130 to 102. I'm watching live. I'm not watching on DVR. I'm watching live and the score is 128 to 102. So they're behind. Direct TV was behind. Yeah. That's so a problem. It, that that's, they are even that extra second, that extra bucket factor's into whether or not you want to take the 21 and a half over under or in not. the final minute and a half. Yeah. So if you're I, a serious better it's you do not want
0: satellite. No. <laughs> you want you want a me who's the fastest? Cable is the fastest.
1: Uh right? FanDuel is the fastest. Uh, that's what it tells me. I don't I don't care what you're watching. If they're at the game, they're getting it before you are.
0: Right. At the game is the fastest. But if you're watching it somewhere, if you're watching it at a Vegas sports book, I presume they've got the fastest televised. Or maybe they've got I the guess. slowest. <laughs> they want you to yeah, <laughs> They'll go stream.
1: <laughs> but, but on the app, on the FanDuel app, I'm saying they're the fastest. Oh, yeah. I'm on my app, and I can see the score faster than when I'm watching it.
0: Yeah. These are interesting elements to, to the whole thing. But so to, to get back to where I, I kind of teased that whole thing, is the money simply that circular? You're betting on the game, and so these betting entities want to lure you to bet more on the game and lure more people to bet on the game. So they're investing in sponsorships, uh, with with the teams and the leagues and that money adds therefore adds value to the the price of these teams and these leagues and the T V contracts and round the round the it go. It's just, it's that simple as to why these valuations of the teams and the leagues are on the up.
1: Coming, Coming up from the
0: better. Is that is, is, yeah, is that no, simple?
1: I agree. Yeah. It's it's everything involved but it's it's just the, the ability to make money off of it now. And it's doubling the overall profit of But the- me
0: betting on the Browns to win this weekend yeah. isn't doing anything for the Browns. It's doing something for FanDuel, and FanDuel's doing something for the Browns.
1: Yes. Yeah, for that opportunity to partner with the league as the exclusive provider. That's that's how I view it. Um, and that equals a ton of money because sports fans want the ability to bet on their favorite team. Right. Yep. Because a lot of people bet emotionally. Raise my hand team here, or or anything. I'm convinced that it's going a certain way, and nine times out of ten, I should have gone with Jacob Swanson. We we have his parlay. He won last night, by the way. His J- passion is On the parlay, huge. we have we have details on where you should bet and why tonight. Jacob will give you his 360 parlay. Also coming up, big trade in the NHL involving the Nashville Predators and Victor Arvidsson will tell you where Arvey is headed and why. And Reed's
0: dog laments.
1: We have Mississippi State as the baseball champion. They wear the crown in college baseball over Vanderbilt, winning the last two games in blowout fashion. Plus, there is a Tennessee volunteer that's first to jump into the mix for name, image, likeness. And Chad Withrow is also involved in an event that includes this player. We'll discuss that straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.